doors closing. Kenzie is next. Doors open on the left at Kenzie. From Mallory Square in Key West to the Governor's Mansion in Tallahassee and all points beyond, you're listening to the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com, your source for all things related to the craft beer community in the Sunshine State. And now your host, Dave Butler. And here we are with part two of our Chicago trip. This is episode 16 of the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com. Hello, this is Dave, your author and host, and got another big episode for you as we head to two more of Chicago's great breweries. We are ending today at Alulu, which is a funky little brew pub in the Hillsen District of Chicago, and we'll talk a little bit more about them in a few minutes, but first we're going to head to On Tour Brewing. If you know the name, that is because they won a gold, a silver, I believe, and best microbrewery at the 2017 Great American Beer Festival in Denver. Ever since then, they've been making quite a name for themselves in uh, Chicago, very, very close to a couple of the bigger known breweries, most notably Goose Island, but they're making a really awesome name for themselves and doing it with a big love of the Grateful Dead, which is kind of the on-tour part of on-tour brewing. So on a recent visit, I was able to sit down with founder and head brewer Mark up to talk about all sorts of things. It was actually a really fun interview. Try a couple of his uh, awesome beers. They brew a wide range of brews, um, but the couple that I had were their award-winning German styles and interpretations of those. If you are interested in anything, by all means, take a look at us on social media. I'll post some more pictures of the breweries that I went to on the Chicago trip. Uh, Next week, we will be right back in Florida. We've got a very busy schedule for the next couple of weeks, so you're going to hear some really awesome stuff that I'm really excited to share with everybody. In the meantime, sit back, relax, enjoy, and drink Florida craft. I, I had heard that you were a Grateful Dead aficionado and taking a look at the rather large I like the wall <laughs> of both Grateful Dead and fish tapes. We try not to like pump that down people's throats here at the brewery. I mean, certainly like the temptation to open a brewery and have this vessel, this canvas to kind of put your viewpoints on everything. Uh, we get to do that to some degree but there's a temptation to want to overdo it a little bit like turn this into my man cave uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> you know that's not what it is you know it's uh, it is uh, you know legitimate small business and you know there's people's lives who are uh, you know dependent on me making good decisions and you know not like oh let's let's just paint this wall purple or green or you know and uh, put up a bunch of very you know opinionated topics on there, you know, stuff like that. That's that's an interesting way to put it. I've never really heard that before, but it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. um, You know, I mean, there's 
a lot of famous deadheads out there that you would not know. They have professional jobs and just, you know, can, can do both. So trying to kind of do that. But uh, it would be nice to reach out to, um, you know, some of the other breweries that you get that sense. Like uh, when I go to that uh, Dog Rose, they have like one picture of Jerry Garcia <coughs> in a frame on the wall. And like every time I go in there, I'm just like, got to connect with this guy or gal and just say hello and say like I know what you guys are uh, going through or what you're doing because we're trying to do the same thing it's like we're all trying to keep the torch lit a little longer for, you know for fans out there and, uh, and make a make a beacon or a, a place for people to come and kind of keep the spirit alive so. <laughs> do you see any similarities between the dead and beer um I think um, just music maybe more so, uh, mm -hmm. maybe the um, improvisational aspect of their music may pair well with um, making beer and that uh, we're all trying to create something and hopefully share it, you know, so we're creating it and we're sharing it with, with people and, and, and trying to get what's coming back, you know, like usually in the way of feedback or uh, in the way of just, just smiles and seeing people order another one and then there's all sorts of like feedback that you'll get on a product um, and you know it's I guess it's probably more rare that someone will come up to you and say oh nice job you know pat you on the back <laughs> that's not what you're getting um, so yeah I guess there's a lot of uh, parallels to creating to music and beer um, no matter what kind of genre and obviously music is you know even evident in the name of the brewery but it's yeah doesn't seem to be the main focus of the tap room, like you had mentioned. Did you want to originally kind of go that far when you were originally conceiving what Entour was going to be? You know, no. Um, I didn't want... I wanted it to be... Um, so I, me and my wife, uh, we love traveling, and we've been to a lot of breweries, and um, sort of I've, I've fallen in love with the vibe of a brewery tasting room, and that... It just has this very welcoming, this very relaxed and, uh, you know, friendly atmosphere where you almost feel like you're at a friend's house, you know, and uh, that sort of emotion and, and welcoming, warm feeling, it's hard to like put, what's that called, right? I don't mm -hmm. know what that's called, but whatever that is, yeah. that is what I wanted this to be, was uh, very welcoming. Um, Speaking of which, would you like a beer? So, um, sure. Okay. Well, I guess what are the kinds of things that you enjoy brewing that you're known for? Because I know we'll, we'll talk about this later, but I know that you sort of cut your teeth in Denver. Yeah. Which um, can go kind of so, crazy sometimes. Um, Denver, the Denver beer scene is, is really, uh, it's, been, it's been very active and um, vibrant, uh, cutting edge. Um, Headed the curve, uh, however you want to put it, for a very long time, and um, you know, for for us, what we try to do here is again, if you're trying to um, execute a model which is creating a welcoming, friendly environment for people to relax and take a break, um, you need to have a lot of different beer styles that would resonate with different drinkers. So uh, we take a lot of pride in brewing you know, the full gamut of uh, beer and nothing's off limits for us. So um, that's been a lot of fun. So um, what do I, I get that question. It's a tough question. What I like making most, I mean, uh, 
they're they're all you know it's like which kid's your favorite you know? <laughs> um, they're all they're all cool they're all there's something great about every single one you know like um, uh, I think for us the the new discipline um, and what do I like making most I guess the answer would be whatever you know gives me the best opportunity to learn something new and to uh, you know which usually experimentation will, will give you the opportunity to learn something new and fresh um, but when you're trying to make the same beer over and over again and have it taste exactly the same that's a discipline that small brewers aren't faced with um, mm-hmm. very often so um, I'm really currently today really getting into trying to you know dial in the recipes so that we can make them exactly the same year after year after year because uh, we're going to start canning our product here uh, in about a month for the oh. first time ever. So, Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, we're excited about that. And um, that, you know, comes new opportunities and definitely uh, new things to consider when you're making a batch, you know, from a note-taking standpoint, from a, you know, sensory, um, you know, analysis standpoint, from a, a quality standpoint. I mean, when you're putting beer in a keg that's getting consumed, all over the city within 45 days, there's very little worry. Um, but when you're putting it in a can, it's going to sit on a warm shelf in a liquor store for months. 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 I mean, it could, you know, if depending on the style, it could sit there for a long time. And um, that's a different set of responsibilities and knowledge. And um, yeah, it's hard to say that that is experimental. It's not. It's very uh, analytical, you know, so I like that too. What sort of difficulties does a brewery of your size usually face when it comes to replicating styles and making sure that batch 500 tastes exactly like batch number one? Obviously, with the big boys, they have the laboratories and things, but it may not be necessarily what your size or smaller can, can handle. So how do you usually do that? You know, it can be tough, um, you know, mainly based on the scale. So one example of that would be hops. So um, if we're getting hops from 2017 when we made this great pale ale and we're trying to make that beer in 2019, well, the hops are going to be different. You know, they're two years younger, different crop, different generation. Um, so um, a larger brewery would be able to kind of blend different hops uh, from different years and do that in a way that um, blend a little bit from 2017 and 2018 to hit their flavor profile and then switch over to 2018 and then sort of as a consumer have sort of drifted with that product Mm -hmm. and then in 2019 they'll blend 18 and 19 and then they'll go to 19 and then so on and so on so um, that is a skill that you have to have Mm -hmm. Um, and you won't get that until you start right until you start trying to make that same beer over and over again so um, you know when you're only doing one-offs all the time you can be a little loose with that Um, so how do you do that there's there's little tricks of the trade and that'd be one of them I'd be blending the different hop from different crop years not having a lab makes it tough when you're when you're doing large batches you know blending 100 pounds of hops is a lot easier than blending 10 pounds of hops yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. the, 
it's like you make a small batch of cookies and you add too much sugar, they're going to taste very sweet. You make a large batch of beer, it's hard to swing the flavor spectrum mm-hmm. by overdoing something 10%. Yeah. That's a good point. So, um, a lot of trial and error. I mean, <laughs> a lot of, you know, just keeping your process identical, taking great notes, um, and being true to your sensory analysis and saying how does this beer taste day one how does it taste day 30 day 60 day 90 mm-hmm. and if you still have it day 120 and um, hopefully you know it's perishable so it shouldn't taste amazing then <laughs> day 160 you know but uh, you know did it drift really far does it taste still taste good I mean I don't know all that stuff's important so yeah so I was listening to um Chicago Beer Pass, one of the Chicago Beer podcasts, uh, before coming here, and they had mentioned the two 2017 GABF winners, both the Maybach and the Doppelbach, and we have both of those in front of us, and I will definitely put pictures up on Instagram. Well, thank you. When this goes live, so I'm, I'm, bunch of tell me a little bit about how you kind of develop these two beers and the whole process of what it was like winning and so on. Well, um. We had a different brewer here at the time mm-hmm. um, who, who helped us open this place. Um, he's now with another brewery um, in That's Michigan. That's fantastic, my book. Thank you. Nice and caramely and easily approachable in all the right spots. Has just enough power so you can feel that there's a strong you know, multi-presence. It feels like it's not as boozy as it probably is, which yes. is always amazing that- and scary at the same time. That has been the hallmark of an on-tour beer is that we, we really can hide alcohol well in, in all of our beers. So that's 8.2%. Um, the spectator is um, in the sevens, and uh, that's 7.4. Um, and yeah, I The mean, spectator being the doppelbock. Yes. Um, yeah, so, you know, very traditional, um, you know, using all uh, German <coughs> ingredients, um, you know German German hops um, and German yeast. So um, a, and with the Doppelbach, I love that great dark fruit flavor. A lot of raisin and plum and prune and molasses in that. It's really fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, we're really proud of both those beers. Um, you know the Great American Beer Fest was really uh, fun. Um, to participate, it's fun to go as a enthusiast. You know, I lived in Colorado and Denver, and I had been there many times as an enthusiast. And uh, I remember thinking, "Wow, you know, that'd be so cool if someday we can get here and really understand the process of, of getting there, or competing as a brewer." Um, until we opened this place, and the first year uh, we were open, 2017, we opened in January that year. Um, we entered, and we were able to send four different beers, and. Um, we were able to get a booth. It's pretty reasonably priced to get a booth um, at the fest. So, uh, being that I lived out there for eight years, it was sort of like a homecoming for me to go back. I was very excited to to go and uh, send beer, so my friends could finally drink an on-tour beer um, at the fest. And uh, didn't really have any expectations. You know, we were only ten months old at the time of um, the fest was going on. So, uh, but categories that we entered were um, somewhere in the mid-40s, I don't know, 40, category 45 or 48, so 
you're sitting there in this, you know, uh, large room with, you know, over a thousand uh, brewers and brewery owners, and they're just rattling them off one at a time, you know, and um, so we had to wait, there's about a hundred categories, so we had to wait about halfway through to get to ours, uh, and our first one was a, was a Mars Inn, we were really excited about an Oktoberfest that we had entered, um, and nothing. So, oh no, man! All right, well that's a bummer, right? Um, <laughs> and then the next one was uh, was the uh, uh, Doppelbach, and uh, we won a silver. So we were like, oh holy cow, that's amazing, you know? And uh, so we started walking up to the podium, and uh, there's so many awards, and that they just can't, they have to rattle them off. Really gotcha. Quick. So you're you're actually in line while they're, they're calling other people up, and it's kind of a assembly line situation scenario. Interesting. So we're in line, um, and while we're in line, we found out we won the gold for the next category, which was <laughs> uh, the Maybach, so Hellesbach, and uh, so we won a gold medal while we were in line. We're like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So we went on stage twice to get these two, and then they sprinkle different awards throughout the 100 categories to kind of keep people interested. And one of those awards is the very small brewery and small brewery and medium-sized brewery, regional brewery, all that of the year. So uh, because we won two medals out of four entries, and everyone got four entries, so we mm-hmm. did pretty well for ourselves. We were entered into a class of uh, points-wise, and we won very small brewery of the year. Nice. Um, which was amazing. Ten months old to win a gold and a silver, very small brewery of the year. Um, wow. <laughs> so that really uh, you know when you look around this room of like over a thousand people and, and they're just like who the hell is on tour Brewing Company you know <laughs> we got like three awards within a span of like five minutes and you know that was really where we put our uh, put our um, map up, you know put our flag in the in the ground and said we're here and, and ready to go so did you get a pop of visitation after that a little bit. I mean, I think um, I think these awards are important to the people who pay attention to them, you know, and um, we, we like to think that's a big world because everything in our world revolves around beer, but the mm-hmm. vast majority of people have no idea what GABF even stands for, um, you know, so uh, we had a lot of, lot of the brewing community come out and, you know, say congratulations and and stop in and have a beer, but um, I can't say that you know it was uh, a huge you know injection of new faces in the tasting room. Uh, what I think it did a lot for us was really validate what we were doing. It validated what others. Um, being ten months old, you know, we didn't have a ton of accounts that were buying beers from us, mm-hmm. um, and to go up to these accounts and say, you know. We're a very small brewery of the year, you know, by the Brewer Association. Like, thank you for buying our beer. Thank you for believing in our product before anyone else did. And, you know, according to the Brewer Association, you've got a good palate, you know? Like, <laughs> you should tell everyone that you were carrying on tour beer before anyone ever heard of us. And, you know, that's a testament to your, you know, ability to taste quality. So, uh, that was cool. Uh, it was really good, but... Um, it didn't take long for me to get over it and, and say, you know, time to, you know, move forward. Gotcha. Think about what's next. Now, you were from Chicago, 
but you did move out to Denver. Why did you move out to Denver, and why didn't you open up a brewery in Denver? Why didn't? Why did you come back to Chicago? Okay, great question. Um, so this is my home, and Chicago is a um, it's a hometown kind of place. You know, people uh, people are really proud of the city, and people love living here, and um, have a, a ton of friends and family that are that are still here. Just kind of that Midwestern style city where people just don't leave um, that often. So uh, me and my wife moved out to Denver um, very selfishly. You know, we were able to ski and golf and <laughs> camp and, um, and hike and um, just do outdoor pursuits. It was cool. It was great. Um, my wife had a job where she just traveled 100%, so she just needed to be by a major airport, and Denver had one. Um, the flight from Denver to Chicago is super short and there's United and Southwest have hubs so you can get back and forth pretty cheap very regularly mm-hmm. um, so there was a lot of things I had going for it I was in the golf industry and um, Denver has a slightly longer golf season than uh, Chicago Chicago is like a 6-7 month season with the core of it being about 4 months Denver's slightly more mild, so um, the golf season there is about 10 months, with the core being about 8 months. So Interesting. Um, so it was a better situation for me um, to be out there in the golf industry and then have two months off in the winter where I could ski, mm-hmm. versus in Chicago I would have to go to Florida to I'd work 7 months in Illinois and 5 months in Florida, and that's mm-hmm. how I kind of, you know, patch together a full-time gig gotcha um, which is a great life for a single man but (laughs) it's not a a way to have a relationship so Mm. um, so yeah so that's why we moved out there why we moved home um, and not opened a brewery in Denver uh, is probably a more complicated answer Um, I would say the main the main reason is this is home for us we never moved out to denver with the idea that we were going to live there forever we just we didn't even talk about that gotcha you know so when you open a business you hope it has a lifespan of more than five years you know so the idea of staying in denver the rest of my life uh i mean i guess it sounds pretty good right now but um just wasn't you know a thing that we were comfortable with at the time and uh, I'm happy to say, just like my time in Florida, I, I have seen every part of the state of Colorado. I've skied almost every single resort. I've personally camped or, or you know, have been everywhere in the state, um, and I left nothing on, on the table, you know. <laughs> so anything I could do again in Colorado would be the second or third time I've done it, you know. Same thing with Florida. I've been all over the state, the Everglades, Key West, Orlando, Sanibel Island, uh Fort Lauderdale, Miami, South Beach, uh, Daytona, you know, mm-hmm. but the middle of the state is probably left undiscovered for me for the most part, but, um, you know, so I feel like I've seen a lot of the country and, and this is where I want to be, you know, so, um, the beer scene here, um, just about to ask you that, how would you describe the beer scene in Chicago? You know, we have uh, an interesting situation here, you know, in that um, we get a lot of beer from all over the world in Chicago. Um, and import market's strong here, um, the, the local market's strong, and the regional market's strong. 
Um, so it's a great beer town. It's a great beer city. Um, and as a result of that, we haven't seen a ton of, of craft breweries um, here in the with tasting room sort of model that, that you see all over the country. Mm-hmm. hasn't really existed um, here. Our building codes are kind of unique here where it makes it tough to have that kind of open feel where you're connecting next to the brewery. You know, I noticed that on none of the breweries that I've been to allowed you to basically sit next to the system. It was always behind some sort of partition. So those are a firewall, and in Chicago you need to have a three-hour firewall. So it's separating the manufacturing from the uh, retail aspect. So the, um, in our brewery we have an open-air kind of concept, but on the inside of the brewery there's a 21-foot-long garage door that'll close if there's a fire and it creates that fire separation Hmm. um, which you know I thought was critical to have that sort of open air feel um, to get across what we're trying to accomplish here Um, whereas in Florida I've been to many breweries where you're sitting literally next to piles of bags of malt yeah (laughs) so most of the country follows the International Building Code, which large cities like Rio de Janeiro and Tokyo, Japan, all follow the International Building Code. And in the International Building Code, there's no fire separation between a brewery and a tasting room. Mm -hmm. Um, Chicago not having a ton of breweries with tasting rooms. We have a lot of restaurants here. We're a big food city. So there's a ton of breweries that are brew pubs um, but the concept of a brewery tasting room really wasn't uh, wasn't prominent. There might have been a handful of them in Chicago up until uh, very recently, 2000, 2012, 13. There might have been five or six that you can go to like this. Um, so there wasn't really a, a code that defined the spaces. Um, and that's why it looks here. So a little bit different to open a brewery here than in other places. Uh, but it's changing. I think the city is, is modernizing its code and understanding that people are using these spaces differently. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think they're catching up uh, rapidly, which is good to see. Um, One of the things that I thought was most attractive about your tap room space is the sort of glass wall barrel room, which you always also use for a... Uh, for a sort of meeting space, which is really pretty, but I've the glass walls were a bit of a shock. Is that due to the building codes as well, or was that purely aesthetic? Um, aesthetic, yeah. Um, and also wanted a, a space where the barrels could um, kind of rest without interruption. You know, I didn't want, um, I wanted to limit the amount of uh, interaction that they had with people setting a drink on there and spilling it and all that, mm-hmm. you know, pilsners on top of, you know, soaks into the wood or people putting jackets on there in the wintertime and all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, popping the bungs off because they're just fidgeting and just looking for something to put their hand on. And, um, so, you know, keeping it separate and then also sort of an opportunity for people to say, well, well what is that space? You know, what I see there's a table and a TV and, you know, what are you doing there? And um, So we rent that out for... Birthday parties on the weekends. We do a lot of birthday parties. Uh, we've done uh, rehearsal dinners. Um, we've actually had people 
get married in that room, you know, very, hey. very small. Yeah, <laughs> it's very tiny wedding. Um, so yeah, um, so having it glassed off kind of helped make it um, somewhat um, private. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and obviously this neighborhood itself is home to several breweries, including, you know, obviously Goose Island, the 50-pound behemoth. Um, has that been good, having a sort of, I guess, beer neighborhood, working with everybody else, or does everybody sort of go their own separate ways? Well, um, everyone's busy, you know, so, um, it's, uh, we're all running, running around and, and running our business, and, um, so I'd be lying if I said that we, we hung out every weekend, and, <laughs> you know, Friday happy hours at each other's breweries. Um, but we do, we have formed that sort of, uh, that group, the Chicago Brewing District, and uh, the website's live, chicagobrewingdistrict.org. Um, we have a very unique thing here happening in this part of this uh, state. Um, we have six breweries uh, within a very, very small density and we're all doing like of every you know there's so many different types of business models to operate in beer we have one of each and it's very unique so we have the the regional in goose island um that has a little tasting room they're they're the big guys right um we have great central which is a contract brewery that has a tasting room where they're serving contract beers plus their own house brands interesting uh we have Finch, which is production only, no taste room. Although they're working on one, they're sort of much bigger than us. They do about six thousand to eight thousand barrels a year, but they're production only currently. We have All Rise, which is uh, um, a, uh, I guess you'd call it a. It's more of a tavern. Uh, it's sort of a brewery attached to a tavern that has a, a venue, but you could probably call that more of the brew pub concept because mm. they have the restaurant attached there. Um, and then you have a new newcomers that just came in, um, District Brewery Yards that just opened up uh, last week, and they are um, three breweries sharing the same space, so it's sort of like a co-op option. And then you have On Tour, which is more of a microbrewery. Um, just just to our notes for Ben Root is would be a more of a traditional brew pub concept, and. That is one of, like, none of us are operating, we're not, like, competing against each other. We're operating totally different businesses. I mean, Great Central and Goose, they have, you know, 200 barrel fermenters. Like, mm. they're not calling us up for, you know, borrowing a pound of sugar, you know. Um, but we're, uh, you know, we meet um, somewhat regularly. We, we get together as a group uh, a couple times a year and do things uh, for the neighborhood. Like, we, we do, like, a trash pickup uh, neighborhood walk around. We do a trolley in December where, where you can brewery hop to all the different breweries in the trolley. Um, so we're, we're doing things as a group. Um, you know, we, we do a couple fests throughout the year and, um, you know, include everyone in that for different beer opportunities. And uh, it's been really good. The people are really nice. Um, you know, I would say more than anything, we're seeing each other at each other's tasting rooms after work. So a lot of the Goose Brewers will come over here. Uh, and have a couple beers um, after work. A couple of them are even mug club members. And uh, that makes me feel really good that, you know, to have some classically trained brewers want to be part of our mug club means that we're doing something right, you know? Interesting. Um, 
from a beer quality and, and you know environment standpoint. Um, Do you think that Chicago, this neighborhood in general, Chicago in particular, is close to build out and oversaturation? Um, I don't think so. Um, I mean, especially compared to someplace like Denver. Right. <laughs> Denver's probably really, really close to that. Um, although, you know, there was some um, Harvard Business School study that said, you know, there's 200, uh, 200 pizza places in Manhattan and one Chinese restaurant. What do you open up? Do you open up a Chinese restaurant or the <laughs> 201st pizza place? You know, that's a tough question, right? Yeah. Um, the answer, the correct answer would be another pizza place because they're supporting 200 pizza places. Isn't that insane? Like, yeah. people love pizza. Open another pizza place and you'll be fine. Um, versus there's only one Chinese restaurant. Obviously, people don't like Chinese there. In this hypothetical world. <laughs> it's, right. um, it's, it's interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, what would you do? So maybe the smartest thing to do would be to open a brewery in Denver because people love drinking craft beer. You know, in, in our market here, if we're something like maybe 20% of people like craft beer, 25% of people are drinking craft beer, in Denver or Portland or San Diego, it's probably more like 50 or 70% of people drink craft beer. So um, smaller cities, bigger, uh, bigger engagement, you know, Chicago, bigger cities, smaller engagement. So um, Chicago has been very good at being a very big city and you can get stuff from all over the world here you can get food from all over the world. like you like mexican food do you like northern northeastern mexican food do you like southwestern mexican food like from small villages and areas where if you were from it'd be like going to europe and getting american food well you know I mean, where Right, like we have Tex-Mex in Chicago, we have Texas-style barbecue, and the people from Texas I are mean, like, don't eat the brisket, it sucks, you know? Yeah, barbecue alone, it's like, there's so Regional. many. Regional, yeah. very, very, very passionate about the region. So um, here, same thing with, with booze, I mean, you can get wines and, and liquors, and a lot of the, the major importers are headquartered here in Chicago, or they're in New York, you know? Um, so... You're getting those imports here. You're getting the uh, regional beers here. Um, and there hasn't really been a need for breweries here. Um, and what, what I'm seeing now is that as more and more smaller breweries open, Chicago, again, being that Midwestern values, kind of um, local um, people like supporting the, the hometown team, the underdogs, mm. it's just kind of like the vibe you get here. Um, is that there's a lot of that hometown pride and they're gravitating more towards the local breweries because there's more options now than there have been ever before. We've always had great beer, but now we're having, like, you like German beers? Well, we have a German brewery. And it's called uh, Dovetail. You like uh, sour beer? You know, we have a couple breweries doing sours. You like hazies? You like, uh, you know, whatever kind of beer you like, Someone is doing it here really well, locally. So we're starting to see that those out-of-town breweries that have these big launches are sort of receding after a month or two because they're realizing that they can launch in, in our market, but it's hard for them to sustain here, where mm. that wasn't the case before. Mm. Um, this was sort of everyone's playing ground, and now we're small producers are kind of pushing, pushing back. And then the, the bigger producers 
the bigger local guys like Half Acre and Revolution are, are kind of carrying that torch for all of us and saying, you know, we're, we're here. We're, you know, we're making, we're making good beer. Interesting. And uh, obviously you're doing the same thing as well in releasing the cans. You've got the Pilsner and the Blondale. Or the Pale Ale. Pale Ale, sorry. How did you decide on those two to be the first two out? Well, they're beers that we really like, and we've made many times. Um, obviously, for our concept, we have a beer stop for every type of drinker. Uh, it's just the kind of it's the way I like to consume beer. Um, it's variety. Um, uh, the Pilsner is kind of a light option that we've always brought around a couple times a year. We really like it. Our customers really like it. Um, so it's just a no-brainer. And same thing with that pale ale. Um, mm-hmm. Just two beers that we really like. And um, and we think would do really well in a six-pack, you know. So uh, the Low Boy, uh, my Bach, and the Spectator Doppelbach that you just tried, um, I really like those beers quite a bit. Um, there's just no question that a Doppelbach versus a pale ale in a six-pack format, 12-ounce format, they're going to move at different speeds. And um, having never done a can release, we just want to make sure that we're giving ourselves the best opportunity to go through that product while it's still fresh and Mm -hmm. people get a good experience with our product. I think both those beers, the Spectator and the Maybach, would hold up for a long time on a shelf. Um, But I think they would need to. You know, even though they're gold medal winners, it's kind of one of the uh, <laughs> gold and silver medal winners. I think that's one of the, the downsides to winning on those two styles were that they're seasonal beers, you know, um, and and we're not a German brewery. No. I don't know. With with how good these two were, I'm a little shocked at the, uh, the Martzen not doing anything. Well, we um, humble brag, our other two beers that we entered didn't win a medal uh-huh. but they give you the score sheets back and they both advanced to the final round so cool. we yeah that could have been a crazy we didn't find out how well they did but it would have been <laughs> 10 out of however many were entered that's pretty awesome yeah the Martin was very good <clears throat> that's awesome so um one of the things that obviously is near and dear to my heart having a daughter is i always want to make sure that brew the breweries that i go to are family friendly and i know that here in yeah. a little bit you have to leave to go pick up your son is on tour intentionally family friendly and do you see that being a big push in breweries in the city um hmm. so a while back one of our guests one of our regulars um comes in saturday sunday morning afternoon with her family and they'll usually chill out in the lounge area and a little you know cereal like cheerio cups Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and she's just like mark how did you do it you know how did you make this place so family friendly and i just said what are you talking about you know i did i did the bare minimum right like uh i'm i'm a parent like you go and you put baby changing stations in both restrooms that is a miracle upon miracles. I there are a lot of restaurants that don't have that. They're two hundred dollars a piece. Well, just do it, right? Like it's not. How many times have you changed your daughter's diaper on the floor of a bathroom or on a the lot. sink? It's not cool. Um, no, it's not. And it's two hundred dollars. Just do it. I don't know that that necessarily. In in retrospect, at the time the decision was made because I had a little kid. And I didn't want to have anyone be in that situation while they were here. Um, in retrospect, I think that painted a story that it, kids were welcome. 
to come here. And, mm -hmm. and they are. They very much are. Uh, high chairs. We, um, we have high chairs here. And uh, we actually have the, the ones that are a little taller that will go up against the high tops. So people, you know, those are pretty, I think those are pretty cool. We went a step further and have a little, uh, have a little, you got to look at it. It says a uh, little um, vinyl design stickers that were made for the back of the high chairs. It says future brewer and on tour, or future brewer and tour. Um, just fun. Like um, we would get beat up from time to time on people on social media and they would say, you know, uh, it's, it's, kids running around it's like a daddy daycare or something like that and you know my philosophy with our team is um and being a parent myself is that if someone comes in here and they're uncomfortable drinking around kids then i don't want them in here like what kind of person can't have a beer in front of a kid like someone who's looking to make bad decisions you know i never thought of it that way the average so it kind of it's self-serving in that we, you know, we have these small little amenities. We have so, some, yeah, that's my son's, one of the, Kelly, who's actually working today behind the bar, uh, she made that for me. Uh, <laughs> stripes. Uh, yeah, these two. Um, this is actually the second, the second year birthday party we had in the barrel room. A little face painter. Um, but yeah, so these decisions to be family friendly, um, you know, as a parent, you know, I mean, no one is here with their kids, or very few people are here with their kids after 7 o'clock at night. No. So you're hitting a target market of people that are going to be there when, you're, when your core audience is not. So what, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just a no-brainer. It really is a no-brainer. And, um, you know, I, I think it keeps out people who aren't comfortable with it, and those are people who probably shouldn't be here anyway. You know, and I hate to say that, but um, we're not a tavern. If you're looking for a place to pop back a couple shots and a beer, yeah, I can make some great recommendations. Um, but breweries should always be family friendly. I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't know that we go out of our way to promote it. I think it's just like it should be assumed that you can bring your kids into a brewery like it's the alternative, right? Like, it's not a bar. Um, no. It's a place you can bring your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have some crayons and, and little coloring uh, things behind the bar. and, and you know, So maybe now I keep saying it. Like, oh, maybe we are going over the top with it. But, uh, you know, I think it's easy. Having the glass room here for this barrel room, we do, we do a lot of one- and two-year-old kid birthday parties. And they really like it because they can shut the door and the kids can run around. Oh, and cool. They don't feel, you know concerned about it but yeah. nice and I feel like I should end with this question out of curiosity what Grateful Dead album would you recommend a non-Grateful Dead listener start with um well there's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of them um but I would say American Beauty so the Grateful Dead gets a lot of uh they're, they get a lot of, sl uh, of flack because of their fans, who a lot of people can just be annoyed by, I guess, is mm -hmm. kind of the consensus. But really, I mean, the band doesn't choose your fans. The fans choose the band. So yeah. there's just a bunch of guys who play play music. American Beauty is uh, an album from early in their career. Um, it's very much like a country bluegrass kind of album. Um, or Europe 72 
which is a compilation of tracks from a live tour they did in 1972 in Europe and uh, just just phenomenal uh, music was being played at that time by the band and um, real creative time for them and uh, yeah both those both those are really good Europe 72 or American Beauty I would start with that but um, just like the Beatles they have you know the, the vast vast range of 30 year <laughs> career where they've done the you know kind of you know, the Beatles' Hard Day Night, all the way in the, you know, the spacey, you know, Sgt. Pepper's kind of uh, going with the time. So you, any sort of music that you like, there's a era of Grateful Dead music that will, you know, slide in there. Jazz blues, and then fusion, and country bluegrass, and rock and roll, and <laughs> even like the disco eras. You can kind of hear that influence in the 80s, like how their music sounded more synthesizers were a big thing mm-hmm. and you know they're incorporating that in the music more and, um, I don't know it's kind of like the history of it a little bit too that's what's fun about being a fan is, uh, is sort of being able to catalog all of that change and evolution so, <laughs> thank you so much I yeah. appreciate it no problem thanks for thank uh, thanks for and last but not least is Alulu the very small eclectic brew pub on the south side i guess in pilsen i don't actually know the different sides in chicago all i know is i was able to speak with their head brewer jason james about a lot of really interesting things going on in chicago his background and a little bit about his diversity experiences in brewing uh being the first african-american brewer that i was very happy to have on the florida beer podcast very excited for that um alulu as he was able to tell me a little bit later was named for a sumerian i do believe brewmaster that supplied uh kings in those ancient city states with beer very old uh writings that reference alulu by name he's got a lot of interesting stuff and a lot of eclectic recipes and then a lot of very simple recipes as well and it's nice to see places that do a little bit of both so i'm going to stop yakking and listen to jason and i chat just to let you know it was a gorgeous day they've got a nice little front patio right on the street so you're going to hear a little bit of car and congestion for that i apologize but enjoy I had no idea that there was a neighborhood in Chicago called Pilsen. Okay. And when I got off the train, it was not the European influence that I was expecting <laughs> for a neighborhood called Pilsen. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'm not saying that it was not absolutely gorgeous. It's one of the most beautiful train stations I've ever seen with the artwork and everything. Oh, sure. But yeah. Do you know how the name came in? And have um, you connected with the very very strong mexican influence in the area uh yeah i mean i have a a little bit of knowledge of, <laughs> of how then i mean then there were originally you know uh czech uh immigrants that that settled here mm-hmm. um and so that's how the name came about um as far as like the mexican influence uh i am de- i mean definitely been influenced by it i mean 
from from the food to the culture here, I mean, like during the summer, there's so many uh, um, block parties and just events happening all the time. Like from the the uh, the end of May through like the end of summer, there's there's stuff going on here all the time. So it's it's definitely has a rich culture, but it is it, it's in the process of of kind of changing and gentrifying. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's been going on for a bit, but uh, I've been here 10 years, and it has definitely picked up uh, speed uh, in the last, I'd say, two two years or so. It's almost a shame to gentrify a neighborhood like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, well, it's, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a, a bit more, it was a bit more rough and, and stuff before. Um, so, like, getting, getting gangs out is one thing, but it's, uh, it's really the, the, the price of, of living that it, it just keeps going up. It doesn't, you know, once people find, uh, a reason to move to a neighborhood, albeit, like, I moved here because it was cheap and it was close to UIC where I went to college. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's kind of just like what happens uh, and it's been happening for a long time you know like artists move into a neighborhood or you know people living looking for cheap rent you don't necessarily think you're starting the process of gentrification <laughs> but you thought you really are you 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 are man so what's your background especially with brewing how did you come to find yourself um well initially by uh just drinking beer um i didn't really appreciate beer for a long time and that's probably because I was only introduced to uh, what did my dad drink Molson Canadian which isn't the worst beer <laughs> it's not the worst and actually I haven't had it in in a really long time but he used to drink that and Lowenbrow and I, I tried him and didn't didn't care much for him uh, but I really got into drinking beer there's a, uh, a beer bar in Logan Square where I first uh, when I first moved to the city it's the neighborhood I moved to it's on the northwest side of the city and uh, uh, really, really kind of like intimate spot. Uh, and there were a couple of bartenders that like knew their shit um, about beer and just like turned me on to, um, at first it was like European lagers and stuff and then like craft beer was kind of, it started like kicking off. So that's how I kind of got into drinking beer. And then I've always complained about how expensive it was getting and it's, it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't any, uh, um, nowhere near as like pricey as it is getting now mm -hmm. um but uh me being like someone who likes to work with, with my hands and likes like process-based um things uh found that i could brew beer for not a lot of money and like a decent you know decent beer at that so homebrewing is is my background um I've been here for two years. I worked uh, over at UNNA for a little while when they were still in Chicago. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Awesome. And with the, it's interesting because there's a lot of brew pubs in Chicago, from what it seems to be. Mm -hmm. A lot of either just beer that has food, just because they have to have something on tap, or they actually have a an intentional chef-driven menu where there's a lot of communication between the kitchen and the brew house. Mm -hmm. um, I would assume that Alulu falls into the latter of those categories. Um, 
know what? <laughs> Honestly, we have had, it's been a, a bit of a tumultuous uh, two years. Uh, they've gone through uh, a handful of brewers. Um, I think there were three initially that started out. I, I honestly like I, f I feel like we're still finding our footing um, but we do there's a lot of communication um, not so much between myself and the kitchen but myself and the uh, the head bartender um, so we've been trying to do a lot more um, not a lot more but uh, at least like every quarter or something do some cocktail uh, inspired beers really? um, and I mean it's not like I don't coordinate with the, the kitchen, but initially when we when we first opened, they did bring on a chef that was, uh, uh, you know, like known in Chicago, and he we did have a much uh, like a higher end menu, and so it it definitely was like it definitely when they first started out uh, a lot more chef driven for sure, um, but I think we're still still evolving and still trying to you know find our our. Uh, Kind of like voice right now. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting to see from just a three and a half barrel brew house exactly how many taps you're able to curate and how wildly different a lot of those taps can be. Because you've got the sours and you've got nitros and you've got all sorts of fun stuff on there. Yeah, yeah, I think that comes from like having a homebrewing uh, homebrewing background, you know, because you know when you're making beer for yourself, you, you're not uh, limited to anything but your own ideas as far as like what kind of beer you want on or what style you want to make so and we've um, got a couple of beers in front of me that you poured uh first of all being the cream ale which i was actually very very impressed with can you describe a little bit about how you went about making one of those uh sure yeah so my girlfriend uh is from buffalo new york and so <laughs> <laughs> uh, she and actually she kind of turned me onto beer in the first place uh, but it, it's kind of in homage to her and uh, going down there and drinking Jenny Cream Ale uh, just because it's you know it's it's there and it's it's fine it's you, you know it's it exactly you drink you drink cream ale and you eat wings and it's you have a great time but uh, yeah, it was kind of in homage to that, and I've always, uh, like, appreciated, uh, New Blaris's, uh, Spotted Cow, um, but I just wanted to try my hand at it, at it, I hadn't made it before, um, but, uh, it's a pretty, uh, kind of like a basic but playful recipe, I think, uh, just a, a lot of two-row, uh, some corn, some rice, um, some sugar, and American Ale Yeast. It's a, it's a beer that turns around quick, so it's mm -hmm. it's nice to uh, to have something like that that we can kind of bust out in like seven to eight days. The kitchen uses it for a lot of um, uh, like their uh, beer, uh, their cheese curds, yeah. uh, and some other batters that they that they use. But they incorporate it incorporate that beer. At first, they were using the Mexican lager, which takes a lot longer. And I was mm -hmm. like, you guys need to you need to cut that out. And <laughs> I, I'll, I'll make you something that'll be like quick. But I, I enjoy it, um, yeah. and I'm I'm glad that you like it too, man. I, oh, it's fantastic. Thank you. Um, and then, uh, almost a complete 180 is the rock beer mm -hmm. that we have, which has got a nice light smokiness to it, a light barbecue-ish flavor. I've had some where it's 
very overly intense, mm -hmm. unfortunately intense. Yes. Mm -hmm. But this one you kept nice and light and drinkable, which is great. Yeah, that I, uh... For this. That was my, that was our test batch. <laughs> um, don't you uh, love it when that happens? I love it when it happens, yeah. You don't really have to, I don't think I would tweak much um, on this beer. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been, I've been really happy with it. It's something that I bring home. Um, that, and actually, actually that and the cream ale, like, all the time. Um, how does your girlfriend like the cream ale? She probably drank too much Jenny as... <laughs> okay, well, I, it, but it's not you. It's Jenny. It's exactly. not you. So that's no, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I think she drank too much Jenny growing up, and she she tends to like stronger beers anyway. My wife too. Yeah, my, my wife can handle Bourbon County, and mm -hmm. I am just not interested. <laughs> so, what kind of stuff do you brew for her? Uh, things that you have on tabs. Like this is this this is because I know this is what you like, sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. So we have a we have a, like a Blondale on right now with. Um, Earl Grey tea. It's infused with Earl Grey tea and cardamom, as well as like a we do a, a Citra Whirlpool um, at like a pretty low temperature, hmm. not to you know to uh, not get so much bitterness from the hops, but to extract that flavor and mm -hmm. uh, aroma. Um, trying to think of what else. She likes barrel aged stuff. Uh, I actually made my first we kegged our first barrel. Well, the first barrel aged beer that I made. Um, is a uh, Belgian dark ale. Uh, it's 12%, and it was aged in cognac barrels. Mm -hmm. um, and I am pre I'm pretty happy with that. How that turned out. So that's like definitely up her alley. And she cognac she that. barrel. That's one heck of a find. Yeah, the previous brewer got them and just never used them. So I found them sitting around. <laughs> and I was like, we gotta fill these, man, before they dry out. Yeah, you gotta do something with them. There's, yeah, there's still two more in the basement. We don't have a lot of room, so it's like two at a time. We fill two at a time, and that's, that's basically our capacity right yeah, now. Yeah, I guess it's interesting that you even have barrels because this is not a huge space. It's definitely an eclectic space, which is nice, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not enormous. I don't know how many square feet it is. We should, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to walk up to the, the, the brewery and check it out, but it is not much bigger than this patio that we're at we're sitting on right now. So what is, what is this? Uh, I don't know, but I think my dorm room in college was maybe a little bit bigger. It's very small. It's Probably. very it's, it's super tight. <laughs> Everything is you'll you'll see it. Okay. <laughs> so you use use a lot of the cream ale for a lot of the recipes. Yeah. How yeah. often are you asked to try to find or if there's a new product that's coming out from the kitchen? Uh, try to make something that would pair well with it. I we don't do a, yeah we don't do a lot of that yeah um, they might ask me what I have in the pipeline um, and 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 try to incorporate um, maybe something that I'm making. I mean one of the one of the chefs was just talking about uh, we have like a milk stout on that's about to kick and so it's like not the, not the right time but we have a milk set on with like cinnamon vanilla and um uh and cacao um but he was trying to like make a reduction he was going to try to make a reduction with it and then incorporate it into some ice cream that he wants to make 
Um, so they'll like they'll play with the beers, but it's it, it's not it's not that intentional yet or right now. Cool. <clears throat> oh, it's lovely, huh? My truck. Oh, it's <laughs> I get used to it all the time. Um, and it's got to be fun for some other events. Like there's a chicken and waffles takeover that they just put on. Uh, table tents yeah all over the place that's mm -hmm. that's got to be kind of fun yeah one of our um the guys that used to work in the kitchen has a, a food truck called chicken and waffles and so he's gonna come in and, <laughs> uh, we're gonna start uh, we're gonna be open on tuesdays uh in the next few weeks i think um so we're gonna do stuff like that uh just kind of like special menu um stuff um, probably serving only kind of one one or two menu items mm. at a time. We do a similar thing on, on Mondays where it's only uh, like fried chicken, biscuits, and a side. Uh, it's really only the only menu item. You can also get a salad. There's some. There's also some, there's usually something that's like vegan or vegetarian mm -hmm. as well. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so we were talking. You don't really get out to other breweries all that much. I mean, not as much as I want to. I'm going to Half Acre tonight because they're having like an industry industry uh, thing. I guess they're releasing some kind of new IPA. Um, so they invited everyone from the like the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild. So we're gonna hit that up. But there's not a whole. I mean, there's. Are there enough sh breweries in Chicago? Are there too many? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess time will tell. I. Uh, I definitely do appreciate that there are because I, I do get around it's not like I don't go but I don't I don't seek them out the same way I did before mm -hmm. um, well it's it really since I started working here um, I am just get tired of tasting beer <laughs> I don't I don't need to I'm just like I just take some cream ale home and I'm good you know I, um, I talked to people that used to work at Anheuser-Busch, uh -huh. and they said, those brewers must be awesome at home brewing. They say none of them touch it. They all make wine. Yeah. So I, I completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tapper-wise, it does, I mean, it's a cozy space. It's a really fun space. It looks like you've got a bunch of fun activities. What kinds of things do you do on a regular basis here? Uh, as far as, like, events go? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a kind of like regular DJ, his name's DJ Scully, that throws a lot of events here. So he, th he throws quite a few events there, uh, upstairs, and he, and he does mostly like hip-hop, kind of like house, like footwork, juke kind of stuff, so it's all like DJ-based. Um, so we do get like a pretty interesting, uh, crowd that we, um, are turning on to craft beer that would normally not necessarily like drink craft beer. Honestly, like even the DJ himself, he, he uh, we're, we're going to do a collaboration soon, um, but uh, we were talking recently and he uh, he's like, yeah, man, you're, you do a really great job. Um, like, honestly, you've turned me on to craft beer. Like, I didn't even know that I liked it. Um, so that feels that's like that's really that's like really good. And so he's like African-American. There's definitely like not a lot of African Americans that are like into craft beer, into the craft beer culture. Um, you know, I see it when I go around. You know, I was, uh, I was at a bar in uh, brewery in Logan Square. I don't even need to say the name of it, but I walked in and like literally it's like all white people. I was just like, this is crazy. It's not, yeah. you know, it's like not even, 
so so that, it's, that it's, makes it's, me feel good, you know? Yeah, it's fat white guys with beards. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I fit that mold. But, I mean, there's you and um, yesterday, Vice District, mm -hmm. their entire staff, which is nice to see. Yeah. And nice to see people that aren't white, and it's nice to see that people, women as well Definitely. are really starting to come in. Mm -hmm. I just I love that. Yeah, that's super fun. We, uh, like another event we had up there recently, uh, there's a kid, a local Chicago kid that does, um, he has a clothing line. Mm -hmm. So he had his, um, kind of his uh, spring uh, release upstairs. And then we, so we uh, took that Belgian dark ale that I was talking about. Uh -huh. And then uh, we have like a Randall set up downstairs. So right. we threw Cascara, uh <coughs> coffee cherries mm -hmm. in there and and poured it through and like turned out really good that and he was like raffling he was like if you buy a if you buy a beer you get a raffle ticket so uh doing stuff like that is really fun you nice. know getting uh feedback from uh people that you that aren't really really into beer like i love having conversations about beer and talking about beer to people that like beer but uh it's also really cool to see people kind of uh, try something not just that you've made but something that you know you put a lot of work into it's something that you're passionate about and experience it for the first time and and get feedback from from that experience yeah. like I've, I found that to be um, it's just nice man because uh, I'm sick of reading untapped reviews <laughs> <laughs> It's so emotional. It's just, I don't, I mean, I don't anymore. Like, I, I, like, download it on my phone, and then I delete it, and then I download it again. And it's just, like, I I just had to call it. I'm just, like, I don't even, I don't get anything from it except for, like, it's just too emotional. It's just, like, have all these feelings it, within, like, a minute. It, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I have just spoken to so many brewers that don't want to listen to the snobs mm -hmm. rip them down because you know you're not this kind of brewery you're not the hip hop the hip the hot mm -hmm. awesome new startup I, I personally don't necessarily want to wait in lines for $50 bottle releases yeah. that I'm supposed to ship to the other side of the country for mm -hmm. people to ship <laughs> their $50 bottle releases to come to me I want to just sit at the bar mm -hmm. I want to get a fresh pour from the tap yeah and I want to talk to the person that actually made the beer because there's a story behind this mm -hmm. and I like to hear that yeah there's so much more that you can do with, with that well it's such a it's such a rich uh, uh, history of brewing you know and you I think just, you, you just kind of like tap into that uh, that that whole like camaraderie and culture um, just by sitting down and ha like like you said, just sitting down and having a beer with someone, Is like that that's what it comes like for me. That's like essentially what it comes down to. Uh, I I would rather not talk about beer and just like have a just have a conversation, you know? Yeah. Because uh, when it when it delves into that, and it's not like I don't do that. I go to beer bars and I I, crit I critique shit and I talk about shit, but it's. I do try not to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I try I try not to do that so much. Because I just want to... I don't know. It's got to be really hard for you because this is what you do for a living. It is now, and yeah. And so you can 
taste a beer and immediately go, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, mm-hmm. this is right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <coughs> so it's hard. It's hard. It makes it a little more difficult. But it's, uh, that's why I try to drink mostly here and, like, the beers <laughs> that I, that I have made that I am, that I like. Do you get hard on yourself? You know, oh, this beer oh. really should be better. This re- this thing really should happen. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not going to pour anything for you today that I am not happy with. I mean, you could, you're welcome to try stuff that I, I, I could pour you stuff that I don't like and we can talk about it. Um, but I'm, I probably won't. I don't even want to drink it, you know? And it's not like it's, it's bad. It's just, it's just like not it's not, it's not the way I, I had planned for it, you know? But, I mean, that's the, that's part of the, the process, too, you know? Just, like, tweaking everything and figuring everything out. Um, and like I said, I'm still doing that. What I've noticed about beer breweries in Chicago is there's very small tap lists. Sure. I mean, yep. Vice City, for, or Vice District, for example, only had four of their beers on. Yeah. And that was pretty par for the course for a lot of the places that I've been to today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been interesting to see how small a lot of the tap rooms are in terms of the number of options. Not that they're bad, because mm-hmm. they're all really good, mm-hmm. but it's been interesting to see that with Chicago, and I haven't really seen that in any other city like I have here. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. So, like, Low Res, I think they have about 10 beers on, mm-hmm. um, but they're, try- they're like, slowly building up their... Um, I, think they've been ar- I think they've been around less less than two years so they're just slowly building up their profile um moody tongue i haven't been there in a minute they're actually leaving the neighborhood really and moving moving into um a space that another brewery which since closed down uh maybe last summer bader brows <laughs> but they had a giant they have a huge space in <laughs> what is like South Loop Bronzeville. I'm not sure exactly what, what neighborhood it is. Not far from here. It's actually really close to my daughter's school and they I think they only did loggers. Um, so we would we would hit that place up sometime. Sometimes. Um, but yeah, they've they've since closed. Moody Tongue's moving over there. Um, yeah, I would say like eight maybe on average for uh, Tapless as far mm-hmm. as Chicago breweries go. Um, but we have way too many. I think we have 24 on right now. Like, we don't even, we just uh, reprinted our menu, because not all our beers were on there. Gotcha. I just actually ran out of taps to put, I just kegged a new beer today, mm-hmm. and like, we don't even have a tap to put it on. So that feels good, because yeah. when I came on, we literally had six beers of our own, our, six of our own beers on. And the owner was like, yeah, I just need you to make a lot of beers. So well, I got, I got to it. <laughs> but at least it gives you carte blanche when it comes to the style. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's... Is that almost daunting? To be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as you can get it out there? Definitely. Yeah. I, but, uh, so I went to... Um, I studied art in uh, college, and uh, it's it's a little bit of the same thing. I think it's the same thing for like someone that's that's writing, too. Like, looking at a, at a blank page and being... And just kind of... If you don't have any... You know, any... From your mouth mm, to God's ears. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> So I am uh, kind of used to that, but I uh, find, you know, you find influence where you find influence and you find you're inspired when you're inspired and you just kind of uh, go with it when the, you know, when the, when the, 
how do you say? Yeah, when you're inspired, you just run with it, you know? So Strike that's, that's the iron is hot. Exactly, that's what I'm doing. Awesome. <clears throat> well, thank you very much for your time. I will leave you with one question since you've been around Chicago for a little while. Mm -hmm. It's something I've heard a lot about. Yeah. Jepson's Malort. Oh. <laughs> uh, what do you want? <laughs> have you had it yet? I have not had it. Okay. Well, you should I, try <laughs> You should try it. Uh, the first time I tried it, uh, I... I didn't throw. I didn't throw up. I'll tell you that. Okay, so <laughs> but, uh, that's success. But I, that was the end of my night. <laughs> oh my god! I did just have a shot of it recently. It was my birthday on Monday, and uh, I did have a shot of Malort. It's just like something that you have to do. It's uh, it's it's like a hazing. It's like a hazing. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I would call it. Some people swear that they like it. It is not my thing. I do not keep a bottle at the house, but there's people that do. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I can't let's, uh, go take a look at the system. Yeah, and, let's check it out. Yeah, if the kitchen's open, I definitely want to try some I food. Think we are open officially. Your attention, please. And that is it for the Chicago trip. Uh, Florida beer blog. Like I said, next week we will be back in the state of Florida. Uh, I've got a lot of upcoming interviews with a lot of breweries that I'm excited to share with everyone. Uh, maybe heading to St. Petersburg next week in time for the Grand Central District's first annual beer festival day, which I know is coming up pretty soon. Once again, I definitely want to thank Afro Beer Chick and Chicago Beer Pass, both excellent blogs, Beer Pass being a great, great podcast. I got a lot of information out of both of them. It really helped. And want to also thank Alulu and Tour Brewing for their incredible hospitality. Very, very excited to have gone to visit them and see them. And I cannot wait to go back. Florida Beer Blog is a production of Florida Beer Blog. So it's a podcast. Uh, David Butler. Hi, that's me. That's your host, and author um let's see our intro announcer is jeff brozovich if you want to find us we're on floridabeerblog.com social media is at floridabeerblog on instagram and twitter flbeerblog on facebook or if you want to write me directly that's floridabeerblog at gmail.com thank you very much to today's guest if you enjoyed listening to the episode please subscribe rate us leave a review on apple music itunes whatever or if you're on google play or stitcher breaker anchor please by all means send uh send some love our way we'll see you soon and thank you for listening drink florida craft this is it as far as this train goes all passengers must leave the train Thank you for riding the CTA Orange Line.